Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. So it's been a full season for the Under Pressure Outdoors crew in the Hasmore Outdoor Products Silent Seat. And let me tell you, they're worth every penny. And here are some reasons why. Number one, you can't beat the comfort level. Number two, they don't hold in moisture like rain or sweat. Number three, they completely fold out of the way when you stand up, giving you a full range of motion in your climber. And number four, they cut down on your setup and breakdown times dramatically. Don't just take our word for it. Use offer code UPO15 and get 15% off your silent seat and many other U.S.-made accessories for your climber today. You can find Hasmore Outdoor Products on Facebook and hasmore.net. That's H-A-Z-M-O-R-E dot net. And in the link in this podcast description. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. It's like, okay. It's within an hour. I've been there, too. It's actually got a nice mural on the side of the building. <clears throat> where are you Either looking for, William? How far from where? Kingston. Lions Club or something. Mm. They really ain't got that much to do right there. Dude, that might be a good event. Oh, you probably Maybe we should do the under pressure. We are probably actually dominance. in Kingston. That's that's what I was aware of. That's what I thought, yeah. yeah. Kingston or Kinston? Kinston. Kinston, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we are in Kinston. There's the best Western op in. Looks like you're right down the road. Yeah. The now, the question is, is, is how like, far is it to Dothan? Or we can go back to that Cajun restaurant. That's not Dothan. That was Dothan, Ufala. Dothan, Ufala. It's almost yeah. the same. Hey, Dothan right. is like... 90 minutes, two hours? Uh, Yeah, it's a little bit of a wait. Yeah, it's like an hour and a half. I love it up there, man. Hour and 51 minutes. You oh. follow. You're better off going to... Andalusia is probably one of the bigger ones. Yeah, Andalusia is a decent-sized town. No, I mean, just in, in Eufaula, there was uh, a Cajun restaurant we went and ate at when we went up yeah. to Piney Woods and yeah. shot pheasant that was just amazing. Yeah. See, there's... Yeah. Oh, and the same. <sighs> but I'm interested to get up there and see it in general. But I tell you what, I'm really dying to do is just to get on the Swanee River. I know by the time you hear this, we've already like finished the Swanee River trip. Uh, this comes out. This will come out the Monday after we came off the water. And then the week after that, you should hear stuff, tales from the Swanee River. Yeah. In the coming week. I don't know, man. Some of that stuff, what happens on the Swanee? <laughs> well, that stuff gets yeah. cut out. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you guys go? Wednesday? It's like a legend. Yep. Maybe it happened. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. You know, I spent like, I, I just got tired of doing work today. So I sat down and started messing around on Onyx. And I spent about 30 minutes on Onyx, planning out a 50-mile route, thinking I was going north. I got a sweet trail going south of where we end. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't realize it until I finished it. <laughs> no, are there camps there? Or? I don't even. I was just trying to mark out 50 miles so I could see oh. where the start and where the end was. Oh, shit. <laughs> 
Oh man, I had to send it to you, and I, I like, I was like, sweet, and then I zoomed out, and I went, oh shit, I went the wrong direction. I think it's fifty-two or fifty-four miles from the uh, Swanee State Park to the Branford boat boat ramp where we pull out. I think it's fifty-two. Is that the whole trip? You're yeah, mm-hmm. you can do it in days? one day if you want. Be a hell of a day on a powerboat. <laughs> <laughs> 24 hour day It'd be a long run there's so i'm pretty sure there is a event where people like race down the swanee river oh, what kind and of kayaks and oh, there's kayaks okay. and paddle boards and look it up jordan google i don't know i talked to uh the outfitter today just kind of bs back and forth with him and uh he was like i don't i don't have anybody i said well i guess towards the end of the conversation I said, well i guess i'll see you wednesday I, I don't have anything to drop off Wednesday. It's like, is nobody renting canoes for the five day? He was like, I don't think so. Bunch of rednecks, man. Yeah. And I said, all right. I said, I, I, if if you don't hear from me between now and Tuesday, I guess nobody does. I said, but I'm going to have to send another text out because we had a, a Zoom meeting and like half of the people I have about needed 18. canoes. Huh? They don't have their own. Half of them needed to rent. Them. No, ha- only half the people attended the the meeting. Yeah, well, there's there's there thirteen some, people that 13, attended the meeting yeah. out of about twenty four, four, twenty four, twenty five, something like that. But that's all right. I think most of the people that didn't attend were veterans of the Swanee, though. Yeah, kind of like Jim wasn't in there. Uh, Tristan wasn't in there. Um, Briar, no, Briar's not Briar going to be going in there. I can't think of who else wasn't in there. But most, I think the majority of people that didn't attend the Swanee had already done the Swanee trip at one point or another. It's pretty hard to screw it up. It's also not very hard to screw it up. Tristan made it. With the help, with, with a lot of help from his friends. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of help. Jack, Jim, yeah. George. Had he, not, had he not been able not that to... Not, not the gym right here. Daniels, Beam, Dickel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those fellows. <laughs> Had he not been able to uh, hand off his heavy load, which I think was what really made him so topsy-turvy to begin with, was all the weight he had stacked on the back of that kayak. He'd had a rough go of it. But And like we told the guys, I was like, look, man, if you've never packed your kayak or stuff down this full, you need to pack it down now. Practice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Truth matters, you really don't need that much shit to go. No, you don't. We have every 20 guys bringing food for 20 guys, 20 sets of camping gear, 20 sets of cooking gear. Oh, man. I guess if uh, if old Steve Miller doesn't make it this year, I'll have to pony up and bring my stove, I guess. Really? Because he's saying he might not be able to make it, depending on this job he's got coming up, so that's going to be sad. It's a source to sea race. When it comes to the Swanee. It's the Swanee River 203. I have absolutely no interest in trying to go down the Swanee fast. That defeats the whole purpose. Right. It just Enjoy it. Even the song does not lend itself to hustle. It looks pretty sweet, but I don't think I want to try and go down it that fast either. So. Nah. I think they don't take, like, most of the people only take a couple days. Yeah, like those folks that were, uh... Well, I'm sure they were on the river for more than a couple days, but... 
I know they were on the river for more than a couple of days. We saw them more than once in the yeah. course of like three days. <laughs> um, but yeah, because they, well, we passed them the Friday we left. Saw them Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The people racing? No, these people weren't racing. They were just mm-hmm. in to like a uh, two people in a little skinny kayak that they were trying to finish the whole entire. Swanee. Yeah, they were doing the whole Swanee oh. from Headwater to Gulf of Mexico. Wow! And we just intersected paths along the way. There was but, another group that feel, I felt like they were trying to avoid us. Probably. Probably. <laughs> people sleeping <laughs> in hammock. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably a few of those. Oh man! Can you blame them? But speaking of adventure. Seemed like Deidre was doing some adventuring today. I was, yeah. I had the day off. Well, yesterday was my birthday. Happy birthday! Thank you. Mm-hmm. Want to no. get one of these cupcakes in see. honor? No, no, sorry. I'm going to belt it out. You want to get it out of the way now? Go ahead. He's going to cut it out. He can cut it out. Or I don't care. You're not embarrassing me, man. If I sing terribly, I sing terribly. Embarrass me. <laughs> I got a way. I got a way to make. Got to find a way to make ladies blush and get old. It gets harder. Oh my god! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I took off today. I was originally supposed to be off four days, but I work tomorrow. But I was usually when I'm off work, I try to go somewhere. And then I um was gonna take a long hike. I wanted to go down to Mayaka State Park and tri- uh, hike to the deep hole, which is where all the big alligators are down there in the state park. But it's like a two-hour oh, drive. <laughs> Jordan's over here trying to steal cupcakes. She gets that. the first cupcake. She's the birthday girl. Give her a cupcake then, because I want a cupcake. <laughs> Let her finish telling her story. Sorry. Anyways. Barbarian. <laughs> Rudely interrupted. Right? I was trying not to interrupt. It's okay. So you're going to Mayaka. I was going to, but it's a two-hour drive from my house, so I was looking for somewhere closer that I haven't explored yet. And then I, I'm really interested in like old places, like cemeteries and just old history. Um, so I found this uh, cemetery in Withlacoochee State Park Forest, or Withlacoochee State Forest, and um, apparently there was a town called Oriole back in the 18, 1900s, only like 100 people, and there's a cemetery just out um, past where the forestry manages like the pine forest out there, and there was some really sketchy directions, and I ended up finding it, but it's actually on Google Maps after I realized that I was already following the sketchy directions. But um, so I found that and then I uh, there's actually a mailbox and somebody um, like a new mailbox, like in the middle of the woods. And <laughs> uh, and I'm like, what in the world? So I opened it cautiously <laughs> and uh, there was like a note and it's from the great, great grandson of one of the gravestones and this woman was only like 28 years old when she died um and it's her great great grandson and he said if anyone sees this and wants to know more history of my family like i'll be glad to answer questions so i took down all that information i'm gonna reach out to him hell yeah let's get that guy on the podcast i know right yeah because that was she died in like 1870 something that's crazy Mm. yeah wow if you're interested in, in back like there. the old graves and weird history like that, mm-hmm. you'd love wandering around some military bases. Yeah, because you get around Fort Stewart and you're driving down the road and it's like place, a uh, former place of the town of this. I'm like, oh, and there's nothing there. No, yeah. it's gone. Exactly, it's gone. It's been it's consumed so cool. by the military base. Yeah, uh, but it's just cool to see like 
what's there now and just think there was also i found like the old ranch site um like old posts and an old windmill i mean and that it's all you know broken down now and rotted well you you go around fort campbell and there's graves like old family graves everywhere cemeteries on fort campbell yeah there's one that has a six foot chain link fence around it and the barbed wire face is in so think about that for a minute (laughs) yeah they are trying out. to keep something inside the fence. It's like a Michael Jackson house. house. Right? Think yeah. about it. Yeah. It's a little odd. <laughs> I, walk, I walked past Geronimo's grave a few times. Oh, yeah. Did you? Yeah, at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, buddy. That's pretty cool. That yeah. Cool. yeah supposedly the site of Geronimo, something like that. I don't know. That's what they told us. Yeah. We, uh, we had a, we've had more than one hunting lease where this had a family gravesite on it. Oh yeah, the one we just left oh, had uh, oh had a family gravesite on it, and then uh, the one that and it was actually still owned by the family name that was on the the gravestones, and then the one that we had before that we didn't know the grave the cemetery was there until um I, I don't want one thank you until the uh, they clear cut part of the property. And then we kind of want, and they left like a stand of pine trees in the middle. Of, we're like, what the heck's that? Walk out there. There's a dang cemetery in the middle of the woods. Yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. We have the same thing next to our lease. And what's really cool is the Daughters of the Confederacy. This is way out. This is the middle of nowhere. Denton is already in the middle of nowhere. And this is way outside of Denton. But there's a Confederate grave. And you can even, we even found a little bit of information about the fella getting the, uh, had trouble getting his disabled pension and things like that. But the daughters of the Confederacy still come out every year and tend that grave. It's pretty cool. It's pretty that neat. Cool. You, know, you know, that's another subject too. And there's a lot of misnomers, I think, about why there are Confederate monuments. But when you think about why there are Confederate monuments, I think a big part of it is why we have monuments to all soldiers. Parents and families sent their sons away. And a lot of them never came home. Mm-hmm. So that's that's all they got. And I think it's very disingenuous when we're tearing them down. I understand all that stuff that has come since, but I, I think that people miss that. They were people. You know. yeah. 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 They were people. Well, let's go ahead and introduce everybody we got around the table tonight. I'm your host, Will. We got Jordan in here. I'm here. Let's get it. We got Jim. Yes, sir. We got Briar. How y'all doing? We got Miss Deidre Brown back. Hello. Um, how is, I mean, we're, the only event we have left at the time you're listening to this is the Crawfish Boil, and we've still got tickets available, and you should have already bought your ticket, but if you haven't, uh, now's the time to do it, because we will run out of tickets. Uh, there is a cap, you know, capacity limit, the amount of people we can have out there, and if we reach that, too bad, so sad, we have to turn you away. You have to wait till next year, <clears throat> and that won't be any fun. Yeah, you don't want to have to do that. Right. Um, but... You guys just came off of the Ducks Unlimited banquet. How was that? It was awesome. It was a blast. Yeah. Spent way too much money. (laughs) I spent a lot of time. (laughs) No money. I try to save my money. I'm the least uh, lucky person winning stuff, so I play my cards right. Funny, that's the same thing the guy that won the rifle we gave away said. I never win anything. I had a good night. Hey, look at you. You you almost got drawn. I almost did on that. (laughs) I I want to... Eco cooler, nice. And the way it was, they gave away four coolers, and then one of the coolers had a gun, and I happened to pick the right cooler. Nice. What kind of gun did you win? 
You got to pick, right? I am uh, going to use that to get a Benelli rifle. Hmm. But I only started making rifles. Really? So I'm going to get it in 243. Interesting. The whatever the Italian word for wolf is, lupo. Hmm. Give that a shot. Yeah, that is interesting. Did you win anything? No, I only bought one raffle ticket and then didn't yeah. get anything out of it. <laughs> Balance week, I don't even I don't even know if I was paying attention when they. <laughs> <laughs> there was some one, people weren't. The bottomless was, drinks got me quick. There was one family bought a couple raffle tickets. Man, but they they won everything. They won back to back guns. They won stuff off of every table. And 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 I, and I, I can't remember what my number was, but I had the same numbers they did, except I had a six and they had a nine in in their number, and wow. like it just so that's why I noticed it kept coming up. I'm like, damn, they won again. They won again. They won again. I think was, Joey told me they bought like five raffle packs. But it was this that may be, but yeah. it was the same damn number that kept yeah. coming up. They had lucky raffle pack. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Some people just have all the luck, man. But when that's all said and done, that event, net of expenses. And thank you to all the under pressure folks that came out and helped out. But that event, net of expenses, is probably going to wind up at about 57,000. That's awesome. Going to Wetlands Conservation. Yeah. Yeah. Add that to the Youth Hunt and the Villages Chapters. Going to put close to 70 grand in this year. Nice. I think they're going to do one more thing where um, they've got access to some really kick-ass guns. I think they're going to do um, another three-gun giveaway, three-gun raffle. But I think these are going to be some top-of-the-line stuff, right? So They have some really nice guns. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I tell you what, last time I went to a a poker run, I actually ended up wanting – I got drawn a couple times, so I'm probably going to buy some tickets at ours. Just hopefully my luck flows from one poker run to the other. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping to come away with a 23 horsepower mud walker. I wouldn't complain. <laughs> Dude, man, I'm, I just to got my first duck boat. boat. No, I already got one, but I'm thinking for the Wakiva River. Oh, yeah, that little yeah. 23 would be perfect. Man, put that sucker on a, a little. How big is your John boat out there? 12 foot. Put yeah. that in the back of a 12? That might be a little. Yeah, I told, my, I told Dad. Dad bought a bunch of some tickets for that as well. I said, you get you win that motor, get you a little, a little 14 foot county line. Yeah, that's why yeah. I said one of those little county line boats. Yeah. Perfect. Did that go on the back of my, well, my canoe? It's like a 14 and a half foot. Oh, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Might have put a, I was thinking you might have put a pot on the back of it. To keep no. It. No. no, I'm not getting it. Would, no, it would, no, I'm thinking on, on both sides of wheels just to oh, yeah, a no. little bit like more buoyancy. I don't know. I would risk it and run it. Put you, some, just put some weight in the front. You need that's like a 14. <laughs> the problem is, is you... Jordan could probably run that boat with a 23, that 23 on the back, just fine. You or I could not run no. that 12-foot John boat with that 23 on the back, just uh, fine. We'd have to, we'd yeah. have to, get, we'd have to ru- get a running start while the motor's already going. You'd have to get a, a water handle extension. The back. <laughs> get a handle extension so you can stand in the bow of the boat and steer it from the rear. <laughs> the, the thing is, those mud walkers are actually really light compared to other, like, Brands of yeah. mud motor. That's still like three times as heavy as his nine nine. He could put bigger than a nine nine on that thing though. Whatever, man. I want to. I want to buy a boat where I can use a twenty three horsepower motor to do about 
35 miles an hour down the Swanee. Buy oh you a little 12-foot down the rooster? Yeah, a 12-foot county line. Throwing a rooster yeah, to that would work. Mm-hmm. Right past Wakaiva Island. You know. <laughs> yeah. Some house for out there laying out in a bikini. Boom. Yeah. I think a 12-foot county necks. line base model is like two grand. That's not bad. No. Not bad at all. Like a little 12 they're, footer? they're dirty little boats, man. It's, oh, it's a little shit. sneak boat. Yeah. A 14 is hmm. like, I want to say four grand or something like that, which still isn't bad. It might be cheaper than that. I haven't looked at their. Well, I got to. It may be right more expensive than that too. You never know. I like, <clears throat> I like petroleum power, so it don't matter. I don't want to paddle nothing. <laughs> don't want to paddle. Oh, have you seen the new uh, Mercury's new seven horse electric? I seen motor. That. Yeah, I'm like, you noticed too in the video I saw. The more he twisted that throttle, the lower that number. number well, yeah, I mean that's how electricity like, works. But like, no, it was like drastic. Yeah, it's sitting still. It would sit for like 197 hours with no torque. But if you ran it at full speed, it would like you get it down to like three hours at full power. Yeah, that ain't even gonna get it get enough. How, how many batteries fishing. though? It's inside. The, it's built into the motor. It's one big lithium battery that right in the back. Something's kind of weird to no, the lithium no, batteries no. are light, dude. Yeah, yeah. That battery weighed like, dude said, like it weighed like twenty pounds. 20, you could take pounds. a twenty-four okay. volt lithium and curl it with two fingers. No. I stand corrected. But you also, you you take that thing, a little boat like that, into an area where they say you know electric only or uh, nothing over this horsepower. And oh, I guarantee I, you're getting a lot more push out. And you, you're really, you know, you're not running far. It's not a far running boat, but I no. bet you that sucker's quiet. Yeah, but I mean, what you do is, <laughs> is you spend extra cash and you get two or three extra batteries. Oh, you yeah. You just swap out batteries. Yeah. That's a good, a good, unique boat. Yeah. yeah unique and unique, you unique out. Trolling motor? Say what? It could is a trolling motor. you use that in a place with a trolling motor? So it's I, just don't, a, I don't why know. Why would you need well, a trolling so motor? I, I could tell you this right here. This is how that's going to go down. As a a rule stand right now, probably because it says electric motors, right? And they assume you're going to use a trolling motor. Well, it's the same thing that happened with the e-bikes when they came out, right? It was not, there was no rule against them when they first came out. And then everybody started getting them and using them in spots where technically it wasn't illegal. And now there's rules against e-bikes. Right. So Yeah, but some of those e-bikes will do 60. I know. (laughs) There's a guy that comes by uh, my shop every morning on an electric motorcycle and just, wee. That's all you hear is he goes down the road, barely makes a noise. It's kind of creepy watching him go that fast and it not make any noise. He's Duke, on some little like electric street bike. Duke mm-hmm. Energy's making hand, money hand over fist right now. All this electric crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're loving it. This is gonna be interesting. I saw saw a TED talk where the guy pointed out. The, Oh boy! I don't, I, for those of you that are green, I'm not anti-green. I'm just economic. And the guy showed how much they talked about the carbon output from an electric car versus a diesel or a regular auto car, mm-hmm. whatever gas-powered car. And of course, the um, electric car was less. But then he went into the production, mm-hmm. and because of the production, the batteries that it takes like twice as much energy to produce the battery the battery powered car so it, you have to drive about 100,000 miles before 
the whole carbon and everything else is less with the electric power car. But then he pointed out range, right? That in order, in order to build an electric car that gets a comparable range of three or 400 miles, like a gasoline power car, you'd have to put more batteries in. So to get comparable range to what we have now, you'd have to triple or quadruple the energy used to go into the car. And now the break even is like 300,000 miles. <laughs> and no one's going to drive it. And, and the guy was not trying to, he wasn't trying to say that that's not something that should be done in the future. What he was doing is giving a very honest comparison about that if, if they're really trying to reduce carbon output and reduce energy and become more energy efficient, we can't just use the talking points that are convenient. That We actually have to talk about the whole subject. And that's, that's true. With a lot of, we run into that a lot of things, just in conservation and everything. We only want to talk about things that are that happen to highlight what we want to right. emphasize without, and then we downplay everything that's, it's real, but it's just tangential or doesn't, doesn't fit into our agenda. I, my, my thing with electric vehicles, like, I, I think they're cool. I like, I really like the fact that they're so stinking quiet. And I see, like, man, mm-hmm. I could slip to the woods. Oh yeah! Until oh, I'm not downplaying that. Until oh, you yeah. reverse, have you ever heard them reverse? Oh, yeah. Well, my neighbors is like this, this really loud. I don't know, dinging. So I've heard like, well, I know <laughs> I've noticed with the uh, Amazon vans now have gone away from the beep, 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 like a bat. So it's god awful. <laughs> is it all of them or just one? Because that sounds like a bad buzzer. No, it's it's all of them, and that doesn't make any sense. But I tell you worse. what, though, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why it makes sense. Because you hear the beep, beep, beep all the time. You don't think anything about Oh, something's in reverse. But when you hear that dang Amazon van backing up, you turn your head. Yeah. Start ducking cover. Yeah, you look. Uh, But I have noticed with some of the newer electric vehicles that at slow speeds, like our parking lot creeping speeds, they do make noise. Okay. Like an audible noise. Let me explain that. It takes more amperage to start that and maintain that slow. But if you ramp up, it'll drop off. The amperage will drop off eventually. So you're basically hearing the amperage. There, well, it's, and the it's electronic not, noise. But there's also a safety feature in most electronic cars. They do make, you, you are correct, but there's also an installed safety feature that under, under a certain speed they make noise so that you hear them coming. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Because they will creep up on you say, in the parking lot if they don't. Because if you look at like, mm-hmm. if you look at like the, uh, the older electric cars or the hybrid cars that run on, like the older hybrids that were, you know, electric motor to up till 10 miles an hour or whatever. Those cars from 2012 or so, they're stupid quiet, and they will creep up on you in a parking lot, and you'll never know they're there. But the newer cars, they have that built-in noise, so you know they're coming. You get out of their way or look for cars. I will it's, tell it's, you a, this. it's a built-in safety feature. That Tesla SUV, the SUV, if you put it in like the Super SS sport mode, track mode, whatever it is, that sucker will flat-out smoke. An Audi R8 off the line. Uh, dude, it's basically a rheostat. Instantaneous torque. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, th- th- that's why. But over the distance, the Audi R8 will catch it eventually. But in a quarter mile, that SUV will smoke it. Now, what I was going to say was my biggest concern with electric vehicles right now, and what keeps me from even remotely wanting one, is, uh, I'm not even going to say price, because in all reality, you can get one for the price of a nice pickup truck. They're they're I, I, they're more expensive, 
But if you want, if you're a Denali driver, then they're about the same price. Um, but the fact that I can't just pull up to a charger, stand there for five minutes and roll off with a full charge. Yeah. yeah. And with some of the mandates that are coming down, I don't know. It, it just, uh, it's going to sound like I'm talking politics. It's not, it's all economics. It's like there was a time we didn't have petroleum run cars and somehow gas stations came along. Right. We didn't need to, we didn't need any help from powers on high. <laughs> It'll happen. Yeah. Right? But if all of a sudden you tell everybody you have to drive an electric car, and everybody says, "Wow, have you taken a look at the footprint that it's going to take just to have the charging stations? Because they're going to be they're going to have to be huge because people can't just pull and pull out, right? Right? And then, uh, well, how are we going to do that? Government's going to help. And every time somebody <sighs> says government's going to help, I just want uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I'm not going. I have a thing. A lot of our listeners are like, "Yeah, that guy's right," you know. But I, you know, you know, it's you not never what we do. Know. We're not talking about that though. <laughs> how yeah. do you? realistically would you go on like a cross-country trip in a like efficiently in a electric car what, if, what if they what if they built it like uh electric trolleys where you just had a strip running down the road and you're dragging cars attached yeah. <laughs> uh, <I laughs> like a video game i saw a guy on uh tiktok that i mean it defeats the purpose of it but he's got like a, a harbor freight motor that he fashioned to the back of his car that runs as a generator and as he's driving, it generates power to charge his car. You know what, though, man? Hey, before it. we jump completely off the electric. Wait, hold on, hold no. on. But, okay, the thing is, depending on the car and how much juice that's actually putting out. Yeah, it was a Tesla. I say you you can. But is that enough to charge the batteries or is it I just enough to I maintain? I on a cross-country trip. The, there's the, still friction and things. I, I think that there's probably energy loss in I that transfer. I who's, who's tell the who's got the idea, and that is... Uh, was it Edison? Edison vehicles. Yeah. Okay. He's running. He's building electric semis, right? Oh man! But they have a diesel generator under the hood that gives them the range of a normal semi on a much smaller carbon footprint because diesel generators will run forever on a small amount of gas because they're running at the peak efficiency all the time. That's how locomotives work. If they're electric, yeah. but they run on diesel generators, so they'll run forever at peak efficiency. And continue to charge the batteries as the train or that semi moves down the road. You do the same thing with a car or a truck. You still have diesel would be the best way to do it because it's more efficient than gasoline in a generator. But you still have a, a carbon footprint, but it's significantly smaller. Hmm. Yeah. Hybrid. Yeah, but the other way around. Yeah. It's a gas engine powering the electric yeah. one instead of the electric one that just kind of kicks in from here and there, here and there. Interesting. My concern with all that stuff, just when I look at it, is the, uh, the cost of people. You know, because everything's got an opportunity cost. And then, because we have to have equity, how are we going to redistribute wealth to people that also can't comply because of the cost? Right? That bugs me. And then, uh, some of the other stuff, when we look at the um, windmills and things like that, and the, and the grids, they've, they've all got diesel backups and whatnot <laughs> you know well, so now I, now you're not just building the the solar grid or the or the windmill grid you're also having to build a backup grid behind it it's, and i look at all this stuff and again it's they're inconvenient truths and, and i look and, and then my biggest concern is an outdoorsman really comes down to the footprint 
Well, you're, you're, you're totally right. And we spent, dude, the whole, the whole time during my childhood, we always heard about uh, them tearing down the rainforest, right? And deforestation in South America. Well, where do you think we get cobalt lithium from? Right there. Yeah, then we get into whole energy security. And well, you get into people the, that don't like us very much control most of it. Child labor and yeah. Yeah, all the other stuff that goes on. It, it's But you know what? Everybody's got a smartphone in here. So that's the same thing. Yeah. Your cobalt lithium is in that too. Yeah. I don't feel bad about it. This is a whole lot smaller amount than what's going into uh, the Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> We're the anti-woke podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't talk about that. So what was that flower you found today? I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Um, oh, Great it's segue. A, I know. <laughs> what was that flower? <laughs> um, it's a Cherokee bean. I don't know where the name comes from. Probably... And the Indian, the Cherokees, yeah, Cherokee Indian. has to, but it's not edible. I don't think. I mean, you probably can use it medicinally somehow, but it's it does produce beans. I found some. It's yeah. really pretty. Yeah, like I've a, seen it. I I have so many native plants, and that's one of my things. So when I'm in the woods, I love finding them, but I've never seen one. And that plant, like I swear, I saw one, and then I saw another one, and that's what led me way back to that swamp. You you gonna you gonna carry a wood duck box back there? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a good idea, but <laughs> yeah, even getting it back there is one thing. But then somebody's got to service it. Yeah, that looks like a place where if you went back to service it, you might need to take a pint of blood with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was pretty remote. I mean, it is part of the state uh, forest, but then there's a trail. Well, I went the back way, like I just found my own way, and then when I was leaving. I noticed on the map, I was like, oh, the trail runs here? I'm on the trail? No, I'm not. So the trail that Onyx thinks is a trail is not maintained as a trail. I was like, this is no trail. <laughs> so, but I followed it and I did make my way back the same place I uh, started. But yeah, it's just real, real wild out there. But the last time there was a trail that the Calusa built it? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I spooked a hen turkey today, though. She was probably from me to him, and I didn't see her. She was laying down. I don't know if she was nesting. I didn't see any eggs, but she flew so fast and high right in front of my face. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> oh, my God. So how did your turkey season turn out? <laughs> <laughs> Same as mine. Cool. It all. Yeah. All right. yeah. I put in a lot of work the first few weeks that I was able to, or two weeks that I was able to, and then I made it out one extra day. But then I got really busy. I had the event to put together the last weekend and then it's life it's the way it goes though you're able to just walk up on them as soon as season's over oh yeah i saw two like, toms up today too <laughs> <laughs> they don't care once season's over yeah oh. now you just slip up to georgia they got a couple more weeks i think yeah my brother yeah. has a lease in alabama but i don't know it ain't an op is it i know i don't think <laughs> <so>. <laughs> everywhere is apparently Oh. Look, my dad. Um, we first, my aunt and uncle first moved up there. Every time he'd drive somewhere, somehow he would end up in op. And my dad swears <laughs> to this day, every road in Alabama leads to op. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it was crazy walking around that property because we drove up there, left my house at five o'clock Monday morning, drove up there to look at it, headed back around three, didn't get home till like nine, but. <clears throat> walking up there like walking i walk down into the bottom and like you know this part of florida or down and uh or like where we hunted in south georgia you go up to a creek and it's 
It's literally just like a creek bed with some trees. But all the creeks on that piece of property, you walk up to them, they have like beautiful green plants growing in them. And I'm like, Jesus, this this creek actually has a lot of like life outside of deer and stuff like that in the creek itself. It was, it was pretty neat. Yeah, that whole saga started about Thursday last week when I first saw the property yeah. pop up. And then I sent uh, you guys the screenshot, and then it died off for a couple of days, and I saw it pop up again on Saturday night or Sunday night? It's probably Sunday night. Yeah, I don't think it was. I think it was Saturday, and then we I messaged the guy <clears throat> got the information. And then y'all went up there Monday. Yeah. That was fast. Yeah. You got to be fast if you want to yeah. lease property. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, he was saying that he, I can't remember how many pieces he said. He said, I'll have them all leased by the end of this week. Yeah. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. It's got a but, nice big ag field on it, which. Is who, that it? Who yeah. was the fellow you spoke to? I don't remember his name. This is it here. So it runs like where that tree line is straight down and then across here at the corner. That's a nice mix, man. Yeah, there's a nice big bottom that runs through it. There's a good sized pond on it, some pines, and the hardwoods in there are stupid huge. And on top of that, zoom out a little bit more. Oh yeah, all that that that's all this stuff. All this over here is a a state forest. It's public land. It's a WMA. Oh, nice. So you got that Mm. piece of property that all of us look at from the WMA, going, man. Yeah, yeah. I wish I I was over there. (laughs) Yeah, we're just on the other side of the agriculture field from it. Now we don't have that agriculture field that's it's uh, sitting on, but you have the smaller one, right? Yeah, that tiny one. Yeah, smaller one. What do they plant? But the nice, uh, there'll be peanuts this year. Oh, the nice thing is, you look at like all these woods around it and the ag fields around it. The owner's uncle, great or uncle, owns it. He's like an old old guy. Uncle owns it and doesn't want anybody to hunt it. So we have this one small piece. It's 107 acres. It's right in the middle of a bunch of property that nobody hunts. Oh, nice. Nice. Because you throw a corn feeder out there and yeah. guess what? <laughs> Your deer are going to be my deer. A corn feeder. <laughs> in Alabama, you have to pay to use Yeah, it's feeder. $50. Yeah. Per, per person. No, per person. Yeah. You have to pay to bait. I think Georgia should have done the same thing. It's another. I mean, what's fifty bucks? You're gonna spend. God no, that's that's a few bags of corn. Yeah, yeah. Shoot, Florida you know. ought to do it too. But it's it's a money generator, and yeah. you don't have to buy it. You just don't. If you're not hunting over corn, you don't have to have that license. You know, if you're not putting out bait. Well, if you got a big peanut field, you almost don't need it. Right. Yeah. They also charge you an, an extra fee to hunt pigs and coyotes at night. Hmm. I'd pay that's that. another fifty bucks. Well, you know, I I thought the same thing, but. I don't know, man. I I don't spend that much time hunting them in the dark. I mean, I th- if I if I had the the means to go and do it, yeah, maybe. But also, if I'm walking to the tree stand or from the tree stand <clears throat> and see a pig with my flashlight, I'm still going to shoot it. I think that, and, and maybe that is technically illegal, but that's letter of the law versus spirit of the law. Like I wasn't out there actively hunting with a thermal. Yeah. Just kind of a bycatch hmm. scenario. I don't know. It's one of those ones you just fight in court. Mm-hmm. Sit tight. We'll be right back with a word from our sponsors. 
as we move through life, it's inevitable that we're going to find ourselves needing trusted advice from legal counsel, from business transactions to real estate, lawsuits to contract matters. We all need advice and assistance from time to time. Attorney Roman Hammis' multi-state law practice focuses on litigation, business law, and real estate. Roman helps individuals and business owners find solutions to their legal problems. If push comes to shove, Rome is an experienced litigator with extensive trial experience and the ability to take it all the way. He's been named Super Lawyer every year from 2016 to present, a distinction given to only 5% of practicing lawyers. Most importantly, Roman is an avid hunter, angler, conservationist, and proud supporter of the UPO Nation. When you need dependable legal counsel, call Roman, 407 480-6050 or 843-324-1727 or email roman at romanvhamis.com that's r-o-m-a-n at r-o-m-a-n v-h-a-m-m-e-s dot com offices florida and South Carolina. <laughs> I tell you what, man, I went out, I think I told you that fellow. My friend Jay invited me up, and a couple of years ago we went out with. I'm not going to name the town because I don't want to get the guy in trouble. But <laughs> we went out with a gentleman who is a firefighter who was also the medic on a SWAT team in a very, very old town in Louisiana. Picturesque town. And so this guy knew all the police officers. And we were basically rolling. We, we were rolling down this town like it was Fallujah. Running back and forth between the farms. Knocking out pigs with thermals. Roll doors open on the minivan. Oh, this was a, this wasn't a minivan. It was a, it was an SUV. But yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, telling pretty you, much, yeah, right, right, right down, right down Broad Street, man. <laughs> Nobody even <laughs> waving at cops. Yeah, <laughs> I knew him. Like, oh, it's, all, it's just old Steve. He's doing his nightly routine. Oh yeah, it was great. Um, I would go back up there and do that in a heartbeat. Oh, it's if, fun. It, it's unfortunate. It's, it's that particular one's in Louisiana. But you spend all night driving around, looking through the thermals, seeing an awful lot of pandas. Mm. Trash pandas. Yeah, yeah. You know, deer. And it's kind of hard, you know, you look through these things, because they're not, these aren't like fifth generation thermals we're looking through. Yeah. It's like trying to figure out, like, what blob is that? And uh, Or worse, if you do see a raccoon out there, and it's just one, you, you lose the depth, per- or you lose, mm-hmm. it's tough to tell how big it is. She's like, there's a pig. And you're like, eh, maybe not. And you finally get a little bit of light on it. And you're like, oh, <laughs> that was a lot smaller than I thought. We, uh, I, I've hunted pigs at night before with a thermal optic. We had a place in uh, Georgia a few years ago. And uh, we had borrowed the night vision from, or the uh, thermal optic from the guy that we lease a property from. And uh, he was like, yeah, take it out there. Kill some pigs. And we did. We, it, it was a lot of fun. But, you know, like you said, it's the same type of 
thermal where it, we're standing. We pulled up on a huge food plot. Food plot big enough that it had two tower stands on it. One at each end. And you weren't shooting the other end from one end. You just met halfway in the middle. There's a feeder at each end and, you know, all planted. And I look out across it. My dad says, you see anything? I said, yeah. What is it? I said, a hot spot. A hot spot. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. But we did creep down the field about 300 yards and we got in and I was, that's a pig. And, well, what was really cool about it is, you know, pig's eyesight's not that good. They're all nose, right? So if you're walking into the wind and they can't smell you and you're quiet so they can't hear you, I mean, it's all black. And you hunt on nights where it's not a full moon, obviously, if you can. You get within 30 yards of these things. So, and everybody's like, okay, you shoot the two on the left, you shoot the two on the right, we'll take the two in the middle. And it's three, two, one, lights out. You know, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, just hogs spinning out and dirt flying up in the air. And See, we only had one thermal, but we attempted to do the same thing by looking with a thermal, seeing a group of about 30 pigs creeping down the edge of the food plot. And then we're like, all right, on the count of three, we had plenty of rifles. Only one had a thermal. We're going to turn the light on. And everybody's going to go just cut loose. And we did. Yeah. I don't know if we ever actually killed any of them. No, I didn't. That was when I had... <clears throat> you had your trigger turned yeah, down too the, late. The yeah. night before, or right before we went out, I turned the adjustable trigger down in my AR, and I turned it down too light, pulled the trigger tight twice, and dumped a whole 30-round mag. <laughs> oh, nice. Because the trigger wasn't resetting. It was... <laughs> Just sounds like a good time. Hammer yeah. down. Yeah. William's like, why'd oh, so you shoot so much? I was you, like, oh, you basically built a pump stock. Essentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get it. I didn't mean to do it. I was just trying to get it real light. You know what's funny? It's not illegal if you do it by accident. Yeah. As long right. as you fix it afterwards. I did, because yeah. I, I didn't feel like wasting a whole box or a whole mag yeah. of ammo every time yeah. I tried <laughs> to shoot it. It's not a war crime the first time. That's right. <laughs> Is there any WMA that you can hunt pigs at night? Not in yeah, oh, wait. Not in Florida. Good question. Actually, so it's in, all private land. That you in can most hunt states, at night. I don't think that's legal to hunt on public land. Anything I, at night? I didn't think so. I think some of them you can hunt raccoons at night. Yeah, that's yeah. but yeah. not mm-hmm. hogs. Well, Correct. if it's on those nights, can you hunt hogs as well? Mm-mm. No, nope. Because on my trail cam where I was turkey hunting, there—I mean, there was not a lack of game in that area. I saw bobcats. I saw a bobcat like 20 minutes before I walked to that spot. It's like, please don't be there. But there was a, a hog a couple nights that was taller than this table. Oh, Lord. So, so oh, I want to go goodness. back there, but not at night, obviously. Yeah, they. Hmm. when I went and did uh, that filming down in South Florida, we were down around, uh, I want to say Mayaka, somewhere down there. And uh, we did some hog hunting, and I was like, holy cow, that's a big hog. And they were like, you ain't seen big. I was like, oh, trust me. That was a big hog. I've seen big hogs. <laughs> oh, man. I I love getting on a good pig shoot in the off season. Even during deer season, it doesn't matter if they if they just so happen in on you. I was walking across. To, there's a small uh, patch, like an opening, at the bottom of this property that uh they kind of tilled into a food plot oh dad coming it's not scrolling right here that small section yep yeah it's tilled into a food plot and in this northeast corner of it there's a pine tree 
that's got about up to my knee. It's covered in mud. And I was like, hogs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> One of the old Piney Woods rooters there. Yeah. I said, that's all right, fine by me. You know, it's one of those yeah. things, like, when I when I look at, at, you know, a deer lease property, and we don't have pigs, I'm like, good. And we do have pigs, it's it's not, it's not a negative to not have them, but it's also not a positive to have them, if that makes any sense. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, you gotta think, you like, like take, take, yeah, you're, you're taking Rylan out, right? If a pig steps out, mm. Wax it, son. Rylan would be just as ex- excited to shoot a pig as he would to shoot a deer. Well, what I mean is, is like we've had pieces in Georgia where it's been absolutely overrun with pigs, and then the piece we just lost not too long ago had no pigs. We'd had no pigs whatsoever, but I wasn't disappointed to not have pigs because pigs also create problems. They knock over corn feeders. They uh, tear up food plots. Mm-hmm. They you know do all kinds of stuff damage wise. But on a slow day, when there's no deer moving and a pig steps out, I'm your man. Yeah, (laughs) We we didn't have pigs for years and years and years. Then also we had pigs for like two seasons, and then we don't have pigs anymore. We'll get an occasional one moving through, but I I just think it's where we are. I think that, I think they're such easy targets of opportunity, and everybody, (laughs) all the locals up there, there's just a rifle in the truck all the time. Yeah, just how it is. You know, well, it's, like, it's, it's it's like when we hunted that place across from where Easton used to live, and yeah, that yeah. big old pig that was like the size of a uh, eighty-five quart igloo out there huge. in the middle of the field. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and my dad was creeping across the field trying to get a shot at it. Somebody stopped no, no, on the side. That of the road. was that night. We were just looking at it, and somebody stopped on the side of the road with a spotlight. You said, "Shit, do hit the pig and pyah." Like, oh, you watch someone shoot it? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We were, it was out in the middle and we were on the edge of the field looking at it. Oh, so you, you didn't know who shot it? It was somebody. Just somebody off the road. Shot they it and stopped, drove off. Stopped dead center of the hard road, put a spotlight on it, shot it and drove away. Oh, they didn't even collect it? We never found it. They must have missed it and scared it off. Oh, okay. Well, it's also not uncommon in places where pigs are really, really, really thick that yeah, people will just shoot them, shoot them and walk off. Well, I find that in the woods all the time. Yeah. Yeah. People say the big ones are no good to eat, but I do. I I, how, how can I've we, never really shot I mean, one that huge, though. Yeah, but here's the but thing. We raised hogs and they were huge, like big meat hogs. I mean, they're no bigger than that. And those were delicious. Yeah, but how, how can you sit there and be like, you know what? That's going to make terrible sausage. No, but I, I did. I did take the hams off a wet sow. Like, I mean, when I say wet, she had little bitty, because I also ate one of her piglets, was about. Size of a Nerf football. How well did that eat? <laughs> that was awesome. That was mm-hmm. uh, very similar to the eating the, the little deer we talked about last episode. <laughs> hey, anyway, listen, um, we we gravy dripper. We accidentally uh, we didn't accidentally. I think we it was we picked up roadkill one time. What you? Oh yeah, we picked up roadkill one time, and some of the piglets were like football size, and they got hit too. Took them back to the camp, skinned them out, and cooked that whole thing whole. That's what we did, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's fantastic. Delicious. Yeah. But the the wet sow, I, you know, if you've killed a buck in the rut, you get that soury taste that people refer to as game. The wet sow had another off-putting taste. It was definitely there. Like, it's not like, oh, it jumps right, but you're like, just, just not right. Tang. And, and I think it's... uh. I don't know if it's 
estrogen i i don't know whatever whatever causes the sow to just be full of pig milk i guess is what i'd guess but a wet sow was was the only pig that i've ever had that didn't but would it have made bad sausage probably not because you just spice the bejesus out of it right that's what i'm saying fair enough when when people say ah you can't eat that like that's not true it's not it's not you may not be able to get a choice cut off of that but Anybody who tells you you can't eat that, I dare you. I, I better not ever see you eating at McDonald's, eating at Wendy's, eating at Taco Bell, because all that stuff you say you can't eat, you're eating it right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's just ground up and put on your put on your bun. Well, you guys know, man. I mean, you can eat all kinds of stuff if it's made right. Kidneys. Oh, you know what I mean. That's one of those things I never thought I would like. If somebody's like, Are you, "Would you eat a kidney?" I'd be like, "No, I don't think so." Yeah, but having a then Jim brings in a kidney pie and it's delicious. <laughs> it gets torn from up. From what yeah. animal? Deer. Venison. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll take the kidneys out of them. You know, you know, another thing I haven't made for you guys. It'd be kind of tough to do, but if you take butter, like take like a whole stick Salt. of butter, melt that I'm down. In. Yeah, yeah, it helps. Oh, well, butter. Melt down a whole <clears throat> stick of butter, and then get your pan hot. So you know how when you first melt butter, it bubbles up, mm-hmm. and then also in the bubble, as soon as the bubbles go away, tip your pan on its on the edge, and then just drop kidneys in there so they poach. And you only leave—I mean, you're poaching to a medium rare, mm. and then um, serve those with like some English mustard and some white toast points or some like baguette style rounds and surprisingly that it's, it's a hell of a breakfast we're sitting here tearing up coop livers yeah yeah <laughs> i save all the coop stuff for my dogs i'm actually make homemade dog treats out of coop parts mix We've, them with some hmm. sweet potato and coop liver heart whatever and then uh grind it all up and then bake it really really slow like you're dehydrating it basically i give my dog uh fresh duck heart Mm-hmm. She loves them. This uh, girl I've been seeing has a friend that makes dog treats. And when I say like natural dog treats, I mean like Belle had a rabbit's foot the other night that still had hair on it. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it was like just a dehydrated rabbit's foot. Belle tore that thing up. We got chicken, mm. a fried chicken from Publix the other day, and the wings still had feathers sticking out of it. Yeah. Fried them right on there. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> I'm like pain that you're publics. you're feeding the hearts to your dog because the hearts are awesome, and one she of the best. I'm telling you, man, all the all the different gizzards that are out there, the coot gizzard is probably the best gizzard. I didn't it's, say I didn't eat it too. Okay, it's all right. Coots we can have. <laughs> that's a good point. Fifteen yeah. a day, right? Hey, that's man, the coot, treat for the coot up gizzards birds. the size of a a, a yeah, large egg, mm-hmm. and it does the 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 gristle on it. Isn't real, real thick, so it's easy. Just I mean, you get you get to a thing where you get your knife on it, and you just kind of roll it, and you got. So it's nothing like those crane crane gizzards we tried to clean. I forgot those things are huge. <laughs> yeah. Crane those things are massive. Yeah, and, and they're tough. Yeah, but I figured out. I think I figured out how to cook those things yeah. too. Next time, I just got to get out and shoot some more cranes. I tell you what, I want to try that I haven't had since I was probably my son's age or younger. Is is turtle? I've had. Soft shell turtle. I had turtle in Louisiana. I didn't like it's it good. when I was a kid, but I, I'd like to try it again because I was also like seven years old. So there, mm-hmm. that probably played a large factor. In the it's when you I just hate like stuff, it. but yes, yeah. you, <laughs> you can hate to. it, right? Well, so this summer, one of us has got a 
put a turtle down. We got a pond. I'll bring. I'll do a turtle. I'll do turtle soup. I've got a killer turtle turtle soup recipe. It's, I mean, it's really good. You got the Sounds sherry good. in it and everything. Oh, eggs. Sounds so, Jim, I know how to catch them too. You just put a little bit of chicken gizzard about three hey, inches we under go out a to bobber. Long and Scott and three inches under a bobber. Let it throw it out there. Yeah, ah, the pain in the ass is getting them out of the shell. No, right. I don't. I, I don't doubt it. Yeah, busting them up. How do you get them out? Like, how how do you get a soft shell out of its shell? Well, the soft shells aren't quite as tough. That's part. That's one of the, <laughs> it's leathery. It's still a bitch, but they've got yeah, joints. Well, yeah, you have to it's get, really tough. So yeah, you got to get a. Uh, we we did we take um, wrecking bars mm. and mm. and get it in there and take two wrecking bars and <laughs> crack the joints. Huh. I have dozens of them in my backyard. Come over. Soft shells. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. big ones. Yeah, you need a big yeah. soft shell to get plenty of meat out of it. Yeah, we were bass fishing like a few, like a month or two ago, and my, uh, we had a party. Was it my daughter's birthday or? I don't know. Anyways, my brother and I were back there, and I had just bought a new Rapala lure, and we had been catching fish on it all day. And I said, there's a, sh- a turtle. Don't lose my new lure. And so the next thing I knew, I was like, shit. I was like, no. <laughs> I just see it snapping the lures, like, going towards the middle of the pond. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Start swimming. <laughs> and so he ended up catching it, the turtle, um, on a piece of bread. And then we got it to the bank, and then it, what, the lure was gone. So I sent my kids out in the middle of the pond in my sneak boat to go get my lure. I'm like, I'm not losing nine bucks. <laughs> but the turtle got away. That's all right. I told Briar one time, uh, <laughs> since he just stepped out of the studio, I'll, I'll tell a story about him. I told Briar one time, I had we, we were catfishing, and I had spent the extra money to buy the bobbers that had the batteries in them that light up. Oh, wow. And I was like, if you lose that bobber, you're getting in the water after. We called it catfishing, but we were drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it wasn't 10 minutes after he started using it, the dang line broke. And there's that bobber just floating out in the middle of the pond. And you mind you, the sucker's just infested with gators. And- yeah, it's it's a <laughs> irrigation pond at a farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Briar stripped down, swam out there, and oh, got it, did? though. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's strange? I wish he's, and he just left. Briar, by and large, he's fearless. Oh, it's cold. Just we're in the reeds. The boat's stuck. Hops right out over the boots. No, just just gets out and gets the work done. Till somebody puts a little bitty gardener snake in front of him. <laughs> Listen, the disproportionate response. That's- All composure just melts. We were, we were hand cleared a lake a lakefront one day, and had that little twelve foot john boat. And we were using it to stack reeds and stuff in as we pulled them up. And uh, I took one of those reeds. He was on the opposite side of the John boat, and I slid it underneath the John boat. I said, watch out for that snake, boy. I never seen <laughs> him come. He, w- he was like shoulder deep. He went from shoulder deep to inside that boat like that. I wish he was here. So I feel like I don't want to feel like I'm picking on him because it, the, the, when you watch it, it's – what do they call it when you don't it's, – it's an involuntary response. Right. His, yeah. his. I don't even want to call it fear, but his his revulsion of snake snakes is so great because he's not a fast mover until there's a snake. <laughs> and he's like Rick James on the dance floor, man, sliding across the ground. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> God love him, man. Um, 
He's not as bad about snakes as he used to be, though. I don't know how much worse he could have been. Oh, way worse. Way worse than he is now. Because I've seen him walk up on a snake and jump and then kind of like calm himself down. And I've seen Briar where if he saw a snake, you didn't see Briar anymore. Didn't matter where you were. He was gone. (laughs) He was just out of sight. Oh, man. But I've seen him now like come up to a snake, jump a little bit, and then like relax, move around it, go around somewhere else. Yeah, but if you pick it up. Oh, yeah. No, he's gone. That's when he... That's what I mean. You can't. I just won't do it. I will not tease a man with a snake. <laughs> so, I had a, I had a gun drawn on me for teasing a man with a snake. Not Briar. Did but you really? Oh yeah. They don't play. Oh yeah. I may or may not have, have put a, a live uh, black racer in his climber seat. Oh shit. <laughs> Snakes well, you caught a black racer. That's impressive. <laughs> well, it was cold, and he was laying in the sun when oh. I found him, <laughs> and then I stuffed him in another warm spot, so he stayed there. You know, he could have fallen out of his climber. Well, it was on the ground, and oh. he had to flip the seat over before he got into it. Okay, well, that's a little. A little so, I, I, I just embarrassed Briar. I'm going to embarrass myself now, like to do a good turn. And my other buddy, Jason Gonder. Um, now my trailer's all remodeled, but before when it was still full of all this ratchet and stuff, and it was abandoned, we walked in there, and there was a sleeping bag in, on this bed. And I don't know how we both walked into this bedroom. And I don't remember if something moved under the sleeping bag or whatever, but we, you know, we, I flipped it open and there was a skink. <laughs> like one of those rainbow color skinks. Mm-hmm. And this thing was 18, every bit of 18 inches long. Right. And when you threw it open, we didn't expect it. And all of a sudden it scurried a little bit. Mm-hmm. Both of us let out the most high pitch, <laughs> and we both hit the door at the same time, shoulder to shoulder. And got stuck. And we got fucking stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, <laughs> I'm picturing that. We, because we both heard ourselves you know, scream like <laughs> scream like little kids, and then we got stuck like it was a Flintstones thing, oh, and God. we. We're dying laughing. The rest running out of that trunk. Jesus. Oh, yeah. That's oh. I remember going into my uncle's. Uh, my uncle oh, had a camp my one God. Time. Dude, and that this... wasn't even a camp. That was uh, that was on Lake Marshall. Is that what you're talking about? No. Oh, that was. But you tell that when I'm talking about uh, Uncle Tim's camp. I don't think you were there. It was me and uh, Dad and Tim and Kyle. And we walked through the, the door to the cabin he had built. And this big old friggin' rat was running around the top of the rafters. My dad had his twenty two pistol, pulled a twenty two pistol out, pow, popped it, falls down onto the mattress. Mattress is covered in plastic. Guts spilled out. Mm. Oh. <laughs> That's where we're yeah. supposed to sleep. He's like, it's fine. We'll clean it up. You can still sleep there. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, nah, I don't know about that, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well this trailer we, we we tore the ceiling out of it and everything else to get all the nuts and stuff out. But back in the day we'd we'd sleep in it or you'd try to sleep in it. Then you wake up because there'd be a rat running along the inside support right at head height. So you'd be on the bed and you'd hear a rat mm. gnawing. I mean, like. Right behind your head. Oh, it's like six inches behind. There's just a little, there's just a little thin veneer. So you'd think, yeah, because you'd swear you'd think that the knots, rat's going to gnaw its way through the wood and get to you. Or you'd hear them up in the ceiling rolling pecans. And it, <laughs> it's like, pick a place. Roll, 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 roll. Roll, 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 roll,
Like, Start shooting. Banging on the, you know, you'd bang on the ceiling and they'd, they'd stop. You're like, oh, I'll think you to sleep again. And just before you doze off, roll, roll, roll. Just <laughs> <laughs> torture, man, all night. Yep. Oh, so when we were kids, we had a, there's a, it's, it's gone off to 429 now, where the 429 is now in a pop It's called Lake Marshall. Marshall, Marshall Lake? Marshall Lake. Yeah. And uh, my papa used to take us down there fishing all the time. Well, there, it was Marshall Lake and like Little Marshall Lake or whatever, whatever that yeah, little pond Mar- was. Lake Marshall and Little Lake Marshall? Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we would go down there fishing all the time. And we knew a family that had a cabin on Lake Marshall. But the cabin was like nobody ever stayed in it. It was just there on their property. So, what was it? Probably, what, uh, Uncle David and Uncle Rob and Paul Paul took me and you and Cole and Luke up there. Garrett was there with us Garrett, too. Yeah, yeah, to stay the weekend fish one time. And uh, we walked in, and no sooner than we walked in, did a rat run across the floor, and every single grown man in that camper was up on top of a chair, countertop, table. Oh my God. I mean, anything that you could get above the floor, everybody was on top of something. Because that rat come running across the floor in the middle of there. I'll never forget that. Goodness. So you everybody sees nice, but when you come face to face, we caught a we caught a rat in a glue trap. It was a good sized glue trap. Maybe it was a rat glue trap. But I sat down in the morning to do my business. Hey, waking up and all of a sudden, there's a flip flop. You see, and I look over, and the rat was damn near the size of a small cat, and oh, it's wow. and it's caught in the glue trap. But I was like, man, it, he might break loose, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then it's like, what do I do with it? Right? No, so my dad put got, out rat poison. He got the shovel. Whack! My dad put out rat poison in her camper at one time. <laughs> And we had gone away. We we left hunting camp for two or three weeks. Come back, and the rat said, "Chewed up the rat poison and put it under his pillow." Uh, like they knew. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. oh my gosh! I had a snake get caught in some glue traps underneath a cabinet in an old camper. Oh no! Oh, open the door, and I'm like, "Oh, so, just death!" Mm. Right? Oh, oh it's terrible. And it just rolled the glue traps all around. So then. All it's the fly. Yes. Oh, yeah, because I don't know how long, how many months that snake was in there over the summer. Oof. Yeah, it was terrible. Mm. The rats came to feed on it. <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, the, the most satisfying noise, though, we had mice uh, in our company, AO, when I was in uh, station in Fort Stewart, and they would get in your gear locker if you left food in there. And I was adamant about not leaving food in my locker to keep them out of there. Well, my black bin that I kept all of my Army gear stuffed in got left cracked open. At one point, and they got in there and chewed holes through pants, built nests all in that thing, peed all over the place, and they're so pissed. Ugh. So I went to the dollar store and bought just a massive amount of mice traps, and I put them all over our AO in there. And we're teaching a class one day, and I heard that that mice go, it just the trap snap. And I stood up in the middle of the class and was like, got that motherfucker, and I walked around <laughs> the corner. <laughs> I never felt so vindicated in my life. <laughs> I've never used the spring traps, man. I was just the glue. Right, and it's kind of creepy too when you you catch one and it's still alive because it's go to, throw, you? go to throw it in the fire and it's like still yeah, twitching. Dad I always guess. Dad always put at the the rat traps at the hunting camp. What's that poison? He, he still has a little bit left of it. Timic, Timic, yeah. He would take rat peanut butter and mix Timic in with it, 
and then put it on the rat trap. That way, if they just tried to nibble on the peanut butter off the rat trap, mm-hmm. you it could tell work. you like we'd set it out and go hunt and come back and there'd be like two or three dead mice. Like, Kill them fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's a seven oh. step. Yeah, Timmy could. Yeah. They call it, it the seven step poison. Timmy could wow. put a bear down in seven steps. <laughs> wow. Uh, we uh, I, I remember sitting up there at that one camp we had in Blakely, and they would take like a piece of meat. Oh yeah. Like a ham and throw it about five feet off the edge of the porch because the rats would live underneath the porch. We'd all be sitting there talking, and somebody'd be sitting on the edge holding a twenty two pistol with a rat shot in it, and they'd come out. Pow! And just shoot one, and go back to talking. Next thing you know, at the end of the night, there's seven rats piled up over there by that piece of meat. We, <laughs> as they Good come time. out from underneath the porch, <laughs> I dislike rats. <laughs> dislike rats. That's one of those things, though, man. Like you, you can't. I challenge you to have a rat or mice-free hunting camp. No, you can't. You're not there because you're in the middle enough. of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, and you're a lot of times it's built in the woods. And it just, it's a camper. It's not perfectly sealed. I, we've had them, you know, uh, we didn't really have them inside our cabin or inside our camper for quite a while, but we still had them on the outside a lot. So you yeah. you have like a stove or an oven or something that stays outside on the porch. They build a nest inside that. They build a nest inside your grill. They build a nest, you know, all the stuff outside. So you still try and, you're trying to mitigate that happening. I had one build it, build one inside between the heat shield and my engine and my four wheeler, so I'm driving along. Wow! Like you're burning it. I'm like something smells like something. I, I looked down there, smoke. Like, <laughs> sure, I you know I opened up that thing and fortunately it fell out. But it it when it fell out when I opened when I exposed it to the natural air it yeah yeah. So, yeah. But that's just one of those things, man. That, and you you're just not going to avoid it you're it, you, you're building a place to sleep in the woods mm-hmm. right in reality you're in their territory they can be outside but i got all kinds of the little bag baits <laughs> and that's the first thing i do whenever i go up there like I'm still there behind the tv I'm still there behind the couch so far so good you know and then i spray uh, i forget what that stuff is i bought some stuff online you know that you're supposed to mix up like 10 to 1 so I mixed up about three to one. <laughs> I don't get, I don't get silverfish. I don't get cockroaches. I sleep a little funny. <laughs> oh, That's funny. but well, where do you want to go from here? We're about an hour and eight minutes in. I'm not saying happy birthday. Oh my god! Get ready, man. He's Perfect. not. I gotta leave. pee. He's not gonna leave the happy three birthday thing show. alone. Well, I was trying to get so. All right, stick around. We'll go pee, and I'll tell the anecdote. Oh, okay. Anecdote. We have some dead air here. That I believe. You happy Jim, I may be wrong, but I believe what we're looking at on Google Earth right here is that cabin that we used to stay in, and then Lake Marshall is right here. Is where four twenty nine meets four forty one, right there by Harbor Freight and everything. Yeah, that's Lake Marshall. Marshall Lake. That's a shallow lake. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, our grandpa would always, for the longest time, if it, was, if it was just like a short day trip, he'd take us, we'd pull in underneath this little, well, that wasn't, you know, 429 wasn't there. We'd fish this lake for like bluegill and stuff. And then we'd go back to the house and fry them up. But if we were going to be there for a long day, we'd come out to this cabin over here. I don't know. You know who the Fairclaws are in a pop car? No. They don't. You ever? Uh, 
Did you ever go to Mosquito Creek? Yeah. They owned it. Okay. Yeah, Jeff Faircloth, right? Uh, man, I don't know. I think the, it was Deborah and somebody else, right? Faircloth. Oh, well. It was Miss Debbie and somebody else that owned it. But That was a good place, man. I kind of wish it never went out of business. People always thought it was high priced, but they just sold Mosquito Lagoon. Mosquito, Mosquito Creek. Creek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just sold good quality stuff. It wasn't a high price store. They had, well, everything in there was expensive. Like I said, it was good it was quality stuff. Like Yeah, I, I think nowadays it would probably survive. Yeah, they'd be a Sitka dealer. Yeah. yeah. And they would be the only one around here that would be. Yeah. yeah. It was like an outdoor I, store. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was right there in a pop cup. Now it's like a Christian church or some, some yeah. sort of thing, but it still says Mosquito Lagoon on the front. It's Mosquito right off Creek. Creek. Mosquito Creek, sorry. Mosquito Creek right, off, right on the front of the building. It's right off of 441 coming out of downtown Pop. I'd honestly like do. I think. 15 years ago, though. That was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They had a whole fly shop with a pool where you could like test kayaks and stuff. In I know. Right. And that's what I'm telling yeah. you. Like nowadays, all of that stuff has come back. They were just in the wrong era with, Mos- with Mosquito Creek. Yeah. Had they like, you know, waited out a little bit further? Like right now, everybody's into fly fishing. Everybody wants, to, well, not everybody, but it's a fad now to have high priced hunting gear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. I, it's, yeah. Yeah. I don't, well, it's, it's a fashion statement. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's a redneck it, fashion statement. It, yeah. but it's a fashion statement. It's, I don't, well, I don't yeah, even I know to that. go to Walmart. Yeah. I don't even. Hunting <laughs> season's over. <laughs> clearance. Oh, that's right. They got all their stuff on clearance. I don't know that uh, it's not even a redneck thing anymore, man. I mean, you got you got kids walking around with Bass Pro Shop hats on because so, it's cool. So, my thing is, is just because it's high price, does that mean it's a fashion statement or is it a quality piece of gear? I think it depends on who buys it. I agree with that. It's definitely a quality piece of gear. I'd never right. say that Sitka is yeah. not quality stuff. No, it's quality stuff, but I think I think the reason for buying it depends on what it is. I think a lot of people... Like their rain gear, I hear is really good. I think a lot of people just get mad because they can't afford Sitka. That's, <sighs> yeah, I, I that's why I think people get, make fun of people that buy Sitka. I don't know, because, because I think there's people that have enough money to buy Sitka. They just don't see a sense in spending $300 on a pullover. But first light. About what you value, probably. Well, the first light's the same. I mean, they're the same price. I think first light's even more a little bit expensive. Mm-mm. No? No, I think first light's a little bit better. It's it's a little less expensive. Same with QU. and. I mean, it's not. Any of that stuff, man. You, you don't have to put Sitka on it. I mean, any of that stuff, the high-priced hunting gear is a high-quality product, but it depends on the attitude of the person that's buying it, right? Because For- there's some people that are going to buy it because it's high-quality gear. And then there's some people that are going to buy it because... They want to say they're wearing it. Yeah, they want to say they're wearing it, exactly. Well, yeah. you buy it and wear your camouflage hunting jacket to dinner. I don't I do not do that. I don't yeah. spend that much on the camouflage jacket, <laughs> but I don't wear it to dinner. Yeah. I've got some First Light stuff that is really good. Like the First Light Storm rain jacket set and pants. You can wear that just like regular clothes. It's really comfortable and it keeps you dry. Which is weird because usually a lot of rain gear you put it on and it's almost like you may as well just be sitting in the rain because you just yeah you sweat and, that and much yeah. for whatever reason you don't get like that. Of course, I also only wear it when it's cold and rainy. Um, some of their pants, fantastic. Their merino stuff, really comfortable. What you're really doing is you're trading, you're trading weight and bulk mm. for warmth, yep. right? And that's where it's expensive. But then. Man, I've also, I hate to say it, I've had some of their pants where 
the stitching's just not that good. So some of the pants have been great, and I've had some other. But the warranty is like this cheap. The warranty is where you pay with some of that too. Like if it's if the stitching's not great, yeah, I'm sure you can send it back because I know like Sitka has a lifetime. I haven't looked enough into into First Light, but I'm, I, I, only I imagine at that price, their their customer service is probably fantastic. Pro- yeah, they were really good about that. And admittedly, I only bought it when we had do some volunteer work. I was doing when I, I had a pretty steep discount because <laughs> it's like because I'll say all right. As far as the gear discussion, some of the best pants I own are hose bib pants from Duluth. 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 The Duluth yeah. hose bib pants. Duluth fire Breaking hose. brush, man. If you're going to go out quail hunting or snipe hunting, good stuff. I used to wear them. Work. They're not. They're not cheap either. But they're no. quality. They're, they're. They're. They are what you expect out of a work pant. They're a lot less expensive than First Light, especially when you catch them on sale. Yeah. Yeah. And really comfortable. But who cares if you're paying a hundred bucks for a pair of jeans that didn't already come with holes in it? That's right. right. And it lasts for two, three, four years. You don't need to buy two pairs of two, three, four pairs of twenty dollar jeans in between there. That yeah. that's the point yeah. of paying yeah. more for quality. So so a kind of one thing I want to know is like, you know, if you buy uh what do you wear a lot of uh natural gear. Natural gear. Natural gear sizes are really funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, is, is First Light size any kind of funny? Or? Well, as you can imagine, it's all the mountain climbing dudes. It all runs a little skinny. Yeah. So it's perfect for me. It's perfect yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Natural gear, I don't think you can... There's no happy medium unless you're fat and tall. No, you and I you and I wear the same size because I need it. you need it for the length and I need... No, it's me and you. It's me and you and I wear the same size. size. Yeah, because I need it for the length and you need it for for the the width. The width, yeah. (laughs) But because I I have like a pair of uh, natural gear. The rain gear is awesome, dude. I love it. It's 100 bucks for a jacket and 100 bucks for the pants, but totally worth every single penny. I've sat there in a torrential downpour and it's done. I take it off and I'm dry. It's not, you you know, the, the cheap rain gear you buy. And I, I bought that, and I the first time I literally slept in the rain with that rain gear on, and I woke up and I was dry. I was like, "Yep, I'll never go back. I got I'll never buy cheap rain gear again." Forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but some of their stuff, like in order to make it fit my waist, it's also uh, if it fits my waist like it should, it's three inches too short. But if it fits my legs like it should, it's eight inches too big in the waist. Sounds like a woman's issue. Yeah. Big fan of the stretchy waist. <laughs> As a guy whose weight, you know, can fluctuate if I get, you know, forty pounds in a hunting season. You know, if I'm dedicated to it. Little Debbie's, yeah, it'll, it'll get you. <laughs> yeah. she goes down to her hunting season. But anyway, the <laughs> the um it, it's nice to have a, a a waist that's not too loose. Right? Because that bugs me. That bugs me just as much as if you have a waist that's too tight. I like the nice snug. Throw a little elastic in your hunting gear. Good stuff. Let's Man, see. I don't have a choice but to wear waists that are too loose because I have really long legs. And so, like, there's not many companies that sell a 32-32 when you get in, like, rain gear and stuff. So, I get a 32. Or most of, sometimes, nowadays, they even have to get, like, a 34. It depends on the, the leg length. What company? But especially if I get a 34, they don't make, like, a 32-34. So, I end up having to, like, you know, bunch it up and tighten it up real tight with a belt. <laughs> Dude, I haven't been 32, 34 since I was about 22 years old. Jim, you ever been a 34? <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to be 28. I mean, I was at college. It was. No, yeah. no we're talking but, length, not. Yeah. Not <laughs> <width>. <laughs> Insane. 
Uh, I know I used to be 30. I think it was 32, 34, 32, 32. I don't know, something like that. 28 at one point, but that didn't last long. Yeah. <laughs> Middle school was. No, no, no. That was actually <laughs> 21, 22. I went on a real fitness binge. I know it looks, you look at me now, you're like, can't be. I'm like, yeah, believe it or not. Are, you on, pictures. The, are you on the sides of or the, the side of life where you're starting to get shorter now? Or I am. <laughs> I, I used to be 5'11 and a half, and now I don't, I'm, I'm like. I don't even know if I'm still 5'10". <laughs> yeah. No, you compress. All your cartilage gets... Hey, you don't tell me did I was 6'2 when I joined the Army, and I'm 6'1 now. It happens yeah. too fast. I'm too yeah. short to lose inches. <laughs> yeah, everyone It's all right, told, though, for women to be short. <laughs> like, that's just mm. naturally expected out of women. Men are naturally expected to be tall, and Briar just got... Fucked somewhere in the mix. He got, oh he got the short end of the stick, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Which uh, strange is, I'm not. I'm average, what five ten, five eleven in the prime, I guess. But and my wife, she's like five eight, five seven. But Josh is six one, and Zach is six two. Hmm. Oh, you know, I do know where that came from because that's right. Michelle has an aunt. He, she's got an aunt that's like six eight. Good Jesus Lord. Christ. Did she play in the WNBA? Do very nice lady, but she's sassy. Oh. As in Squatch. But I think that that spending the money, especially in this, you know, I, I switched to natural gear simply because I reached a point where I was like, you know what? I'm a grown man, and I want my hunting gear to match. It's about the same time where I'm like, I'm just going to fill my truck up. Yeah, actually, <laughs> whether it, whether I'm going to use it all yeah. or not, it, it just reached more like I am an adult. Why am I putting twenty dollars in the gas tank? So I decided to you know go and and uh, you build like teenage habits. We're like, oh, twenty bucks will get me here to there, uh, you know, and just fill it up. And I was like, I want my I want my camo to match. Because I got stuff that uh, I got from Dad that he wore when he was my age when I was wearing it, you know. I still have a bunch later. of that stuff at my house to give to Rylan. Right. And, <laughs> and then I was like, I, I just want it to match. So I started buying the natural gear stuff because it, it, it met a quality and price point threshold that fit my, what I wanted to spend. Mm-hmm. And, um, the sizing is a little funny, but dude, I've never sat at some of the stuff I have from them. Like I've never worn less layers and been as warm as I am. Yeah. I now when it, when it comes to rain gear, uh, a few years ago, I bought some pants and they're insulated, but I bought some pants and a rain jacket from Game Hide. I think Game Hide is ours. I think they're owned by Mossy Oak. But I, dude, we went to Tennessee and that day that it poured down rain. And I didn't have rain gear. I yeah. Remember. Yeah. I mean, it torrentially. You were there, Jim. Uh, yeah, I yeah. was on. I was under my raincoat like a tent. <laughs> yeah, it was a torrential rain. I stayed dry, and I've stayed warm in that. I mean, I. I I wear my rain jacket all the time here just because I like it. Like it is one of those raincoats though, to where if you, if it gets hot, it turns into a sauna mm. instantly. But it's, I mean, if it's briskly cold, I can wear just a regular thin long sleeve like I would for hunting season. But if it's got that little nip, I put the rain jacket on and it repels the wind. So you don't feel any of that, mm. but it, it's a, it's a mid range. I think I paid, 170 for the pants and shirt, maybe 200 for the pants and jacket. Puffy jackets changed changed my life. Yeah, yeah. As far as staying warm goes, 
I don't know. Like I, a, a down or a fake down jacket. I like I still my, don't have one. I like my uh, Drake bibs that I got. Briar's got first light turkey hunting gear. Yeah, I got the the pants, uh, the look leafy top, set of gloves and a hat. Yeah, got that for picking up trash, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I bought a natural gear um, puffy jacket, and the thing weighs nothing, and it packs up super small. And I've worn that with a quarter zip pullover and 29 degrees with a blowing wind and been perfectly warm. Does it make that noise? Like, no. See, that's my thing. I need it to seems like it would, but it, it's not. I mean, I guess if I was trying to jog in it, it'd probably go whoosh, 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 yeah. whoosh. But sitting in the tree stand. If you're also wearing it under something. Well, I was wearing it on the as my outer layer because oh, it, it cuts wind really well, too. But it's not super noisy like you would think it would be. Yeah. I was yeah. in like 30 three degree weather the first year i was deer hunting and i wore this jacket it was super warm but it was making the most noise i just had to sit in my blind like without a jacket because i was like well i'm gonna ruin this whole day i can't even move an inch <laughs> so i definitely need to find a jacket well i found I, one now but i think the nice thing is though a lot of like cheaper companies are starting to make a little bit better quality stuff they're following a trend of they're they're using a more quality. Everybody makes merino now. Yeah, but when you're talking about merino, you're also talking about like you're talking about bed sheets. You're talking about thread count because if it's those really low thread count merino wool, it's it's not going to hold up. You're going to wear yeah. holes in it. So that's where you see the difference. And yeah, it's merino wool, but it's not. It's really low thread count to make it cheaper. Yeah, and you wear through it really fast. If you if you go on and you on First Light's website. And start reading reviews, like their T-shirts, like the shirt, like if you got a merino wool shirt, like I'm wearing now. There was a lot of people that were saying they wore holes in them really quickly. It's because you you can't make a super high thread count and still keep it cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's like we we've this has been. I think they people all talk about that, gear, and it's like so. we all know, right? Where 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 do you start with your gear? Boots. Right, I mean, boots are probably the biggest thing. You got to spend the money on the boots and probably your socks, and I would say base layer. Then after that, you know, just, you oh. wear, if you don't have a lot of money, just wear two layers. I mean, come on, we yeah, I, especially for Florida hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I got those. Bibs. It's like those bibs I got from Drake. I can either put insulation in or I can take the insulation out. So if it's a little bit warmer, mm-hmm. I can pull the insulation out. And I can still be comfortable and stay dry. I think a lot of their stuff is like that. I think their move, Drake's kind of going to a lot of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it, it's situational dependent, right? Layer, layers are great, and and you should always layer, especially if you're moving. But if you're going to walk from, you know, 300 yards from the truck or the side by side or ATV or whatever to the tree stand, it sit there for five hours in the cold. It doesn't really matter. If you're wearing a super thick jacket, I would advise you not to wear that while you're walking. But if you're sitting still all day where you're not going to sweat, it's just going to keep you warm. Then yeah. it's, it's not nearly as important as layering so that when you're moving, you can you can shed and add layers as you move and stop moving to keep from sweating. Because that's your number one enemy to keep you warm is to not sweat. Yeah, yeah because I even now, like with my natural gear stuff, I'll wear, I have like a nice uh, super thick pants warm pants and a nice thick warm jacket never wear them to the tree stand 
carry them in my backpack, get to the bottom of the ladder if I'm climbing a ladder stand, and I'll put them on there, climb up, and sit down. Because you don't move when you're deer hunting. Being underlayered in a deer stand, especially if it's a little breezy, that's that's the worst. Like mm-hmm. when you when you you walk in, you're like, all right, and, and you're okay. And then especially it's weird how the temperature might even sometimes drop. So once your degrees. blood stops pumping, yeah, yeah, and then you're sitting there. And you realize, like, I'm cold, and it's still early, and the Shit. sun is already up, <laughs> and I'm still cold. This is not going to get better. That's terrible. Yeah. I, I actually, you, you talked about boots. I, I have a set of deck boots, with like extra toughs. I'm wearing them right now, but uh, that I bought, I don't know, a couple years ago. But, uh, man... I'll be honest with you, since I've started wearing those, my feet have not become cold. And I think it's because my feet are like more exposed to the air so they don't sweat as much. It's the right I wear them hunting all the time. And they're blue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're a dark blue, but. And you can't get to the, the bottom land ones? I just didn't. They didn't have them when I went there. I mean, they had them, just not in my size. So. Everybody, everybody makes a pair of them now. I mean, yeah. Rocky makes a pair of those. I'll never buy another Rocky boot in my life. I don't blame no, you. No, man, I like my dry shots. No, I, I wear Rocky boots. snake boots, but yeah, my snake boots dude, are dry shots. I, I'm not I a fan of Rocky boots. They're terrible. They don't last no time. I, I no. wore I wore when I first got in the army, and I was able to buy my first pair of boots. It wasn't base training boots. I bought Nike boots, and I wore those for like a year and a half. And then the Rockies were like forty dollars cheaper, so I bought those, and they lasted about eight months. I said never again. The soles yep. were coming off of them. They're just yep. garbage. Yeah. I don't honestly. What What are the boots you wear uh, now for hunting? If you're not wearing snake boots, because I'm honestly interested in a pair of those. Because uh, those are Garmont. Yeah. And they those Garmont makes a freaking really good boot. And they're I mean they're technically like military or combat boots, but you can get ankle height and the soles. They're Vibram soles. The the shoes really well constructed. I've had that pair of Garmonts for. Four years, yeah. They're, they're slick bottoms now, yeah. But that's they're like super that, comfortable. That's uh, like that pair of uh, lacrosse snake boots I had. Man, I think I had those for dang near ten years <laughs> till they finally started separating. Well, they didn't even separate. I think they just got soiled that the rubber started cracking on them. Yeah, lacrosse. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I like my just muck boots I got from Tractor Supply. Yeah, they held up really well. I had a set of Under Armors that lasted. I just, I got them for Christmas or something. And I thought, Under Armour boots? They were good boots. Mm. I feel what I just bought. I bought. Actually, I just spent some money on some boots, but I care not. I can't remember what I bought. <laughs> I have the most uncomfortable boots. They're made by She. They're. Oh, uh, yeah, that She Camo. She yeah. Camo. They feel like bricks. I wore them today, actually. Because I want to get my money's worth out of them. But every time I curse myself every time I wear them. They're literally just rock solid, and they hit me right in the back of the wrong place, and it like digs into my leg. Oh my god! Honestly, I wear these boots most of the time. You you know what would Everywhere. probably work really well for for women in boots is to look at combat boots. Yeah, because probably. there's so many. There, there's a lot of women in the military. That's true. But I'm saying, but they but they make. Shoes specifically designed for women, the same as they do for men, just the size is different, right? And mm-hmm. now, granted, like my my old army boots I wore, they're just brown. Yeah. But 
they don't have to be camouflage. No. But they make a quality boot. To stand most of the time. <laughs> when I was a kid, for some reason, there was an insult going around. It's like, ah, oh, your mommy wears combat boots. I don't even what know where the hell it came mean? from. <laughs> I don't know, but when you said, you know, really good combat boots, it's like, ah, oh, your mommy wears combat boots. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe that was a... An insult back then? Mm. But you look at some of those, like, like military-style boots, they are literally designed to walk in. Well, yeah, that yep. makes sense. Yeah. So you get quality boot that's yeah, designed more, for you more to than walk. Just walk in walk in and carry weight yeah, yeah. for a long ways for, for a long, long ways. time yeah. and in a fairly short amount of time too yeah too. for a long way yeah <laughs> you're going a long ways for a fairly short time for a long ways i don't know that i could still do 12 miles in three hours with uh 40 pounds uh uh-uh. I dude, I could probably get and do twelve miles and three pounds with just the shorts and a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and mean, four miles an hour is a bit of a hustle. Oh, it is it's a hustle. Are, you're a jog like a what they call it, an airborne shuffle the whole time. Wow. You're not walking. No, you're not walking. Yeah. You it's you're, a, you're not legally speed walking, but you're not really running either. <laughs> they don't because you, know I mean? you gotta have one foot on the ground to be speed walking at all times. Yeah. But yeah. It's not. I, I know that shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. It's not sh- from the it, airborne, but it's it's the shuffle. It's the shuffle uh, when you thought the bird was here, but he's really not. He's four hundred yards that way. That that little bit of shuffle you pick up, be like, I want to go faster than a walk, but I don't want to sweat and get out of breath when yeah. I get there no, from what, running. What the shuffle is is when you thought you could hold it for that long. <laughs> <laughs> it's that shuffle. No, I don't no, think no, no, I, I don't no. I don't think I move uh below my uh, above my knees at that shuffle though. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my my below the knees just going as fast as I can to get yeah, away. That's <laughs> right. Oh my god. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you got any closing thoughts? Maybe we was all over the place today. Jim, do you want to sing happy birthday now? Oh, they're letting you do it. So I will. They let me do shit. <laughs> All right. So this is why I wanted you guys to participate, but I will relay this story. The years ago, I was at a conference, and one of the speakers was the maestro or the conductor for the Boston Symphony. And a lot of his conversation was about being the best and all this other motivational stuff. <clears throat> but he also talked about how people can accomplish amazing things. So he asked, and we're, there's like a thousand people in the room. And he asks, who's got a birthday today? And you'd think there'd be several people, but there was one woman, maybe a lot of people didn't raise their hands, but one woman says, it's my birthday, brings her up. And he asks the room to sing happy birthday. One, two, three. And as you got that, happy birthday to you. Sheepish. And he's like, that was terrible. And he, but he was very serious. He was like, "Where you guys are just, this is about being the best you can be, right? And he goes, I want you to really try to sing happy birthday. One, two, three. And, and it was remarkably better, right? He goes, That's, he goes, you're not all doing this. And he goes, I want you all, just one time. I want you to envision that it is this woman's birthday and I want you to make her feel special, right? So I th- it was either the third or fourth rendition. He's got everybody standing on chairs <laughs> and, and and really belting out happy birthday. And it was, it was interesting because none of us, you're just regular people, right? Mm-hmm. But when you have a thousand people 
all trying, like really trying to sing happy birthday and sing it well, all the imperfections go out. It was, it was absolutely beautiful. And the woman, I'm getting to my The woman broke down and started crying. Like, oh, wow. I mean, just because oh, it was, it was genuinely beautiful. Right. So that was the whole happy birthday thing. Well, I'll close it with a happy birthday, but I'm not opening it with that. We, we did, we suckered him into this one at this point. Yeah. I yeah. got the whole episode. We close it with a happy birthday. I'm just not opening it with a happy birthday. That's all right. But that was a, you know, and, but the whole point was, and there is a, a bit of a, so I'll tie this whole thing into you know, conservation, what we do, right? Because, for instance, in the not too distant future, probably, we talked a little bit about last podcast, I think. In about two FWC meetings, it's going to get really serious about opening up or increasing the bear quota from zero. We already technically have a bear hunt. It's just the quota zero. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but if sportsmen, if we don't all come forward and all come forward with a pretty unified message, that we might fail. But no doubt that if we all come forward or hundreds or even thousands of us come forward with a pretty unified message about that bears are a game animal, that's, that's not up for question. The bear population is recovered. That's not up for debate, right? And the bear in Florida can have a sustained hunt, right? If we come up with and, and stay unified on those three things and there's enough participation, we're going to get a bear hunt. Anyway, it's just that we, if we all try, and I mean legitimately try, there's, it, it's going to happen. And that's true with almost everything in life. So, you guys want to try to sing happy birthday? Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll close we'll our birthday. Right. try. Right. So, right. hang on a second. Let me turn some. Let me turn some. It's, it's being recorded. You, you a video. Uh, let me turn some mics down so we don't blow everybody's eardrums. How's that? I don't. I don't know. Are we good? I don't know. We're waiting on the sound, man. Whose mics are you turn it down? I'm trying to figure it out. Six. One, four, five, and six. Okay. So we're gonna do more than one rendition. Wanna do a practice and then really hit it? No, I think we I think we can hit it first time. Yeah. I think we got it. All right, we'll see. Lead we'll us off, it. Jim. Give us a one, two, three count. All right, ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Deidre. Happy birthday to you. Well, if you guys are Thank still stuck you. around your this car far. That didn't work. when. Like, hopefully your radio wasn't out that high. <laughs> yeah. That did not work as well clean. as when the symphony guy did it. No, no. There's <laughs> you know, only four of us. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, if you've, you've stuck through that much, uh, we'll catch you guys next week then. Ginger, thank you for joining yeah, us and happy no birthday. Problem. Thank you. <laughs>